Heavenly Father, we just ask you right now to be present in the room. We know that you are, but we ask you even to help us feel your presence as we dive into your word this morning, looking at the things that your word says about the Holy Spirit. Come and change us and renew us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 You know, every single day, we take about 26,000 breaths. That's a lot of breaths. It's it's about 14,000 liters of air that we're breathing in and out. And, you know, the the breathing experts, whoever they are, they say that really we're only supposed to take anywhere between four and six breaths a minute. But most of us, on average, take anywhere between 16 and 20 breaths a minute. Why is that? It's because we live our lives in a way that we're distracted. We're stressed. We are, the pace of our lives is just so fast that we're not, we're not slowing down and taking the deep breaths that we need to take. As a matter of fact, these deep breaths... It's not just something that, you know, some random number that doctors came up with that we're supposed to take. About 99% of our energy is supposed to come from our breathing. And that's why breathing is, is pretty important. You know, if, if any of us in this room today stopped breathing, we would, we would stop living, <laughs> right? We would die. Breathing's a pretty important function of our bodies. I could chop off my finger and still live, but if I didn't breathe, if I couldn't breathe, I couldn't live. And so, like I said, about 99% of our energy is supposed to come from breathing, but we only access about 10 to 20% of that energy that's made available to us through our breathing. Why, you know, we all have so much going on in our lives. It's like, who has time to pay attention to breathing? But I think it's, I think it's safe to say that most of us, we need a breath of fresh air. Obviously, we, we need that breath of fresh air in our physical bodies, but I think first and foremost, we need a breath of fresh air in our spirits, in our souls, because those three things are intertwined. I, I grew up in a church where we talked a lot about our, our makeup as human beings, as, as God, children of God. And, and I heard this a lot, and maybe you heard this a lot too growing up, that I am a spirit I have a soul, and I live in a body. And, th- and that, I absolutely believe that. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. But there was this, w- with that, that kind of theology, with that kind of way of thinking, there was this undertone of only focusing on our spirit. And there was like, you know, the, the things of the soul, the things of the body, they're kind of secondary. The spiritual things are number one. And I agree with that on some level, but also there's this truth that exists is that we are, those three things are intertwined together. I'm spirit, soul, and body. And if there's things that are not right in my body, that's going to affect my soul and my spirit. If there's things that are not right in my soul, that can, we know this in the medical field, in the medical world. We know if you're dealing with depression, it's going to cause physical issues in your life and in your body. And so, yes, I do believe it is important for us to slow down and intentionally take fresh breaths of air for our physical body, but it's also important that we do that in the sense of the spirit and in the soul. So just hold that thought for a moment. The the fifth book of the New Testament 
is called the Acts of the Apostles. And we often refer to it just as Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles, and it's the historical record of the first century church. And uh, it begins with the resurrected Jesus talking to his disciples about Holy Spirit. Then Jesus ascends to heaven, and then boom, that's the birth of the church. You know, the two, Jesus ascends to heaven, two guys dressed in white show up out of nowhere. I wonder what those guys could be, angels maybe? And they tell the disciples who are just kind of standing there with their jaws dropped to the ground, looking up at the sky, they're like, go to Jerusalem and wait for what Jesus told you was coming. And there we have the birth of the church there. And so in Acts chapter 19, it's about 20 years from the time that Jesus, from that moment, from the time that Jesus ascended to heaven, about 20 years after that moment and, and the, the day of Pentecost, uh, we, we see some things that are going on here, and I'd like, to, like for us to look at that. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And not, not when, he said, when it says he found some disciples, we're not talking about the 12 disciples of Jesus, but other disciples of Christ, people that had, had given their life to Jesus, surrendered their life to Christ, believed in the gospel. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, um, no, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. See, these... these People in the Ephesian church, they were born again. They were saved. They were going to heaven. They loved God, but they didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And that is still the case today with many Christians. A lot of us are going to heaven. We love God. We're born again. We believe in Jesus. But a lot of people don't know anything about the person or the role or the ministry of Holy Spirit. And why is this? Well, just depending on what kind of church circles that you run in, you know, kind of determines what you hear about Holy Spirit. Some people are just like these, these Ephesians. They don't know anything. They've not heard anything about Holy Spirit. Some people, they've had just a little teaching or just a little exposure to the things of Holy Spirit. And then some people have had false teachings or poor examples when it comes to the ministry and the role and the person of Holy Spirit. And so the result is ignorance, just, when I say ignorance, I don't mean that as, a, as like a slanderous thing, as a bad word. It's just like, ignorant, you don't know. And then the, another result is fear. You know, fear, we're oftentimes, our, our reaction to the things of the, that, we're, that are unfamiliar to us, the things of the unknown, oftentimes our human knee-jerk reaction is kind of fearful. Or when we hear poor information or incorrect information, or we see people doing things that are really abusing the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and so then there's this fear. And then sometimes the Holy Spirit gets an unsavory reputation. A lot of people's theology concerning the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with Scripture whatsoever. A lot of people develop their theology about the Holy Spirit of, of, of rumors that they hear, of misrepresentations, of misassociations. Some of you might know what I'm talking about here. You know, for some of us guys, it's like, man, if I buy into this Holy Spirit thing, do I have to start wearing like Rolex watches and use a can of hairspray every single day? Or do I just, I'm not allowed to wear shorts anymore? You know, it's like there's these associations with different people groups that say we're Holy Spirit people. And it's like, if you're a Holy Spirit people, then this is your culture now. 
And, and then for ladies, it's like, if I'm a Holy Spirit person, does that mean I have to wear a ton of makeup now? Or do I not wear any makeup at all? I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> and so we, we, we have these people that, the, these groups of people in the church, and I love them and they're brothers and sisters, but we, we start associating certain things with the Holy Spirit that have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit at all whatsoever. Okay? And so we got to get our theology from the Bible. So over the next several weeks, what we're going to do, yeah, get theology from the Bible. That deserves a hand clap. Come on. Thank you. I know that lady's name. It's Holly. Anyway. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be going into the Bible and looking at the person of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not an it. Holy Spirit's not spooky or weird. Holy Spirit doesn't hang out with Casper the friendly ghost. Okay? So, so let's explore what Holy Spirit is really like. Let's explore the person of Holy Spirit, his important role in our lives. And if you've got any negative associations whatsoever with Holy Spirit, I just want to ask you to just put those behind you for the next few weeks and just come with an open heart and an open mind, being ready to look into the scripture and see what the Bible says and be receptive to what the scriptures say about this person of the Godhead. One of the things that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit is the Word itself. Okay? In the Bible, the Word gets translated into English in two different ways. One word is spirit, and the other word is, anybody can tell me? Ghost. Yeah, ghost. Spirit and ghost. And so these are the, the, the two references that we see in our English Bibles. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. But the fact is, is this. There's not really a single English word that translates well from the original Hebrew or Greek. If we look in the Old Testament, and we look at these two words that are used, spirit or ghost, the Hebrew word that's used there is ruach. Now, I'm probably not saying that very well. If you speak Hebrew in here, you're probably going, you're not using enough, you know, at the end. But... It's ruach, something like, okay. So our Bible scholars, our Hebrew scholars are, you know what I'm talking about. But here's what ruach means. It, it means wind. It means breath. It means a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. So now you can understand a little bit why the English translators were like, what do we put here? Like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Breath. I don't, I don't know. So that's how we ended up with using the word spirit and God. The first use of the word ruach is all the way back in the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God, the ruach, the breath of God, the wind that came out of the mouth of God that had the power to create the whole world. It was hovering over the waters. Now, if we go to the New Testament, we look at these two words, spirit and ghost. And the, the original Greek word that's used there when the New Testament was written, the Greek word was, is, is pneuma. Pneuma, and that means a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Again, tra translators were like, well, we can't call God air. We can't call God breath. So again, that's how we came up with, with spirit and ghost. 
So here's what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63. He says, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit. And the word here in the Greek is pneuma. The words that I've spoken to you are breath. There's a strong breeze in them, and they are life. Meaning, the words that I've spoken to you, they actually bring life to you. So God's plan for your life is not for your life to be stale. Some people have just misconceptions about the Christian life. They think, well, you know, I don't want to become a Christian because it's boring. It's just, I've got just a bunch of rules I've got to keep. No, I'm sorry, you're not understanding what the gospel is. In the gospel, there's freedom. In the gospel, it's like we're, we're not judged by our sins any longer. We're judged by the righteousness of God in Christ. And he has a plan for our life. And I'm just so excited that I'm free to be who God called me to be and to live the good plan that he's destined for me to live. It's not boring at all. And God's plan for your life is not robotic. It's not for you to just go through the motions. His plan for you is that your life would be like taking a deep breath of fresh air. And when we do that, there's some energy there. There's some power for living. So let's do this. Let's just take a moment here. I'm just trying to watch the time. Oh, my goodness. Let's look at some attributes of natural wind, of wind in the natural realm, to help us better understand wind in the supernatural realm, okay? And as we look at these parallels, understand there's no reason to be afraid of Holy Spirit. There's no reason to resist Holy Spirit. Instead, we ought to desire to be in relationship with this person of the Godhead. Like I said, the first characteristic of wind is that it's unseen. Wind is unseen, but it can be felt. When you've when you spent a lot of time indoors, you know, this morning we've spent some time here in this theater, and over a period of time, you, you kind of like, the air can kind of get stale. And when you step out of this theater in a few minutes, you're going to step out into the open air, into the open breeze, and you're like, wow, that feels good. That feels great. You're going to feel the wind. And it can be the exact same with our experience with Holy Spirit. You might be able to feel the presence of Holy Spirit. And you might be able to see the effects of the Holy Spirit. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You can't see Holy Spirit, but you can see the effects of Holy Spirit. You can feel it. And we should desire and hold in high regard the felt presence of God, the felt presence of Holy Spirit. My prayer is that every single time we gather, that we would know the presence of God is here. In the middle of child dedications, where the pastors were forgetting some of the parents' names, you could still go, the presence of God is here. The presence of God is here. In the Gospel of John, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, we've got these moments that Jesus is spending with the disciples before he goes to Gethsemane, and then he's arrested and tried and then he's scourged and then crucified. And there, here's these last few moments that Jesus has before he goes to the cross. And he's spending this time with the disciples, and he knows he's getting ready to peace out. So he's telling them some important things. And he talks to them quite a bit in length in those five chapters. He talks to them about Holy Spirit. 
And this is one of the things that Jesus says. He says, I will ask the Father, this is John 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Some translations say comforter, some say counselor. They're, 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 all, they're all good um, just descriptions of, of the person of, of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Holy Spirit does. He helps you. He's going to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. Now, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him. You see, a lot of people, most people, are just comfortable with the things that they can see. You know, they don't want to try to compute. They don't want to try to acknowledge things that they can't see. And so because they can't see God, they don't know God. That's what Jesus said. He says, they don't see, they don't know, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. In other words... You can't see him either, but you know he's here. You know. Because I can't see the wind, but I can feel the effects of the wind. I can see the effects of the wind. And that's why most of us are here. You're not here. My friend Scott Asher does not come to Seeds Church because I'm the most amazing speaker that he's ever heard. Although I'm sure that I am. (laughs) But that's not why he comes. He's not here to be part of an institution. He's here to be part of the people of God gathered to come into the presence of God. It's in his presence where we're changed. Yes, we absolutely need good theology. Yes, we absolutely, yeah, my wife is amening on that. Yeah. We need good systems. We need outreach. There's a host of other things that we need, yes. But first and foremost, we need the presence of the living God. If we don't have that, oh my. Oh my gosh, I just heard this quote the other day and I'd heard it before and I'm trying to think who it was. I think it was Tozer that said this. He said, if the Holy Spirit, and this is written 50, 60 years ago, if the Holy Spirit left the church today, 90% of what we do would still go on. God forbid that would be us. I mean, I want the, whole, the presence of the God to be the bedrock for what we do. The second attribute of wind is that it's unpredictable. Listen, wind can shift on you in a moment, in a moment's notice. That's why when you go to an airfield or an airport or a helipad, you see those giant orange wind socks. Now, of course, we have, we have you know, technology that tells us all, you know, where the wind is coming and how fast it's blowing and where it's coming from. But before we had technology, we just had a flag up in the air. We had a big windsock up in the air because the wind might be blowing one direction, but then all of a sudden, that windsock could spin in a little bit different direction. And that gave the people on the ground real-time data so that they could communicate with the pilots and know, hey, here's the runway that you need to come in on. Here's how you need to approach. And so a lot of us, we don't like that part of God. We like God to be all like tucked in and neat. And, and we, we want things to be orderly and predictable and safe. But here's the thing about God. Like God doesn't fit in your box. I like the way that C.S. Lewis puts it in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. 
Listen, Holy Spirit can sometimes be unpredictable, but He's always good. God doesn't always do the same thing the same way every time. Maybe, maybe, why is that? Maybe it's so that we won't worship systems. Maybe that we won't just exalt a system. Maybe it's that we won't exalt a method, but instead we would seek a person. Instead of seeking the hand of God, just what God can do for us, we seek the face of God, who He is to us. Yeah, there's a lot of things about God that are unchanging. Absolutely. There's a lot of things about the Holy Spirit and about God and about Jesus. They are solidified. There are things about, about God that are the same. Hebrews says, yesterday, today, and forever. We have a statement of faith that we declare about the unchanging things of God that are revealed to us through His Word. And so, yes, we, we absolutely embrace the unchanging things of God, and we also welcome the unpredictable things of God. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. And, and I think that's where we see a lot of the church divided on the world in the earth today. A lot of people are just like, woo, unpredictable things about God. And, and they don't even really, they're, they're not even looking about the, the, the unchanging things of God. And they're just all into an experience and feelings. And that is part of our, our Christian experience. And then there's some people that have completely, like say, cessationism, we, we've completely disregarded that that was for you know 2,000 years ago and now we're just it's just this and so you've got these two different camps but it doesn't have to be just one over here or just one over over the other it can be both we can embrace the unchanging things of God and embrace the unpredictable things about God Jesus said this in John chapter 3 verse 8 he said the wind and this is actually the, the right Greek word that was used here in this translation, the pneuma, the wind, it blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. It's like Cotton Eye Joe. <clears throat> I could not pass that up. So it's the same way with everyone that's born of the Spirit. Listen, there is a part of God that's unpredictable. For instance, remember that one time that God spoke to Moses in the form of a burning bush? That was unique. As far as I know, that's the only time that's ever happened in all of history. In Mark chapter, I think Mark chapter 8, some friends brought their blind friend, some, some people brought their blind friend to meet Jesus, and they said, Jesus, lay hands on him and heal him. And Jesus decided, I'm not just going to follow suit. And Maybe, I don't know for sure why they said lay hands on him, but I'm guessing, I'm assuming, it's because they had seen or heard that Jesus had done that before. So they're, just th they're thinking about the method. They're not thinking about the person of Christ. They're thinking about the method. So Jesus actually, he doesn't follow suit. He takes the blind man aside. The scripture says he takes him out of the city. And he spit on him, spit on his eyes. Then he laid hands on him. Can you imagine being like one of the friends that brought your blind friend to see Jesus? Like, bro, I did not know he was going to spit on you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the guy got healed. No, as, as a matter of fact, you know how that story goes? The guy starts opening his eyes, and Jesus asks him if he could see, and the guy says, well, I think I see men, but they look like trees. And then Jesus laid hands on him again, and then, and then recite, sight was fully restored. And so it's not about a method. 
It's about coming close to the person of God. Stop trying to pack God into your little box where everything just fits perfectly in your finite brain. Because if we do that, we're not worshiping God anymore. We're worshiping a graven image of God in our minds that we've created of Him in our minds, and that's called idolatry. All right, we're just getting out of here late today, y'all. Sorry. If you need to go, you can leave, and we will not think you're any less spiritual, I promise. Okay? The third characteristic of the wind is that it's powerful. Harnessed wind can sail a ship. It can fly an aircraft. It can generate electricity. A lot of us in this room, we're going through things, we're faced with situations in our lives that just human power cannot fix. Human power alone. And one of the biggest mistakes that we make is only exercising our faith according to the current resources or the, our own personal strength. If you limit your faith to those things, there's lots of things in your life that you're not going to step into God's fullness and His plan for you. But if we come close to the person of the Holy Spirit, we'll find that there's supernatural power that's available to us. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is in that first moment, the resurrected Jesus was spending time, 40 days here on earth. This is right before that Scotty beams him up. He says to the, Holy, he says to the disciples, he says, I'm going to leave, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you. The word there, obviously, we know this, the, the spirit there is pneuma. Wind, a blast of breath. Anybody remember what happened on the day of Pentecost in the upper room? What was the physical representation of the Holy Spirit coming into that place? A rushing, mighty wind. But Jesus said there's power there. And the word power, a lot of you know this, Bible scholar, you Bible scholars in here know this. That word power is the Greek word dunamis, which is the word we get the, the English word dynamite from. We're talking about explosive power. Power that can blow some stuff up that needs to be blown up in your life. Charles Finney was a lawyer that lived back in the 1800s. And he uh, decided to quit practicing law and he started practicing ministry. And Finney's testimony was that there was a time in his life where he was completely comfortable and okay with experiencing God simply at an intellectual level. But then he said, in his own admission, he says, my life became lifeless. And then he had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, and this is what Charles Finney said. He says, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through my body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Now, some of you in here, you're hearing that, and you're like, that is the freakiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Listen, don't be freaked out by that, because your experience with the Holy Spirit doesn't have to be exactly like Charles Finney's experience. You don't have to worry about like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get a, the Holy Spirit is going to electrocute me. No, you don't. Just calm down about that. I can tell you this, though, we, we need that power. And I don't mean like we need the feelings. Feelings are great, but we need the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. You need it for your marriage. 
You need it with your relationship with your kids. You need it for your job. You need it even with your own relationship with God. You're like, man, I feel like my relationship with God is getting stale. Listen, God wants to get a breath of fresh air in you. He wants to blow some wind into your sails to lift you and propel you into all that God has planned for you. The last attribute of wind here is that we see that wind is refreshing. There were some days this week that I went out to my truck earlier in the week on those hot 90-degree days, and I opened up my truck door to get in there, and it's like an oven. So I started up. I get the A.C. blowing, but it takes a minute for the A.C. to start blowing Arctic air, and the truck is filled with hot air. So what do you do? You're rolling down the road, and you roll the windows down, and you let that refreshing wind blow into the truck, and the hot air blows out of the truck, and it feels good. The Holy Spirit wants to refresh you. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. He said this in in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, No eye has seen. No ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. See, the way the Holy Spirit blows wind into your sails is not by you trying to get out there and see everything there is to see in the world. It's not by you trying to get out there and hear everything that everybody's saying out in the world. And though God did give us a mind for us to think with and for us to engage with him in, Like our experience with God does not stop at an intellectual level. It doesn't stop there. The breath of fresh air that we need comes through the person of Holy Spirit. So how should we respond to Ruach? How should we respond to Numa? How should we respond to God the Holy Spirit? Let's respond by taking a deep breath. Let's just even do it right now as a, as a physical representation of what we want to do in our spirits and souls. Just Would you just breathe in a deep breath with me right now? Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. In the message it says this, Don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. So how do we not take the Holy Spirit for granted? First, just let go of your fears and misperceptions. Let go of those. A lot of them aren't even based on the Scriptures. And do this. Do what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says. Trust God with all your heart. How much of your heart? All. And don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, you don't have to try to figure it all out on your own. Let go of those fears and misconceptions and go all in. Just go all in. Listen, you're never going to lay hold of the best of what God has for your life by just dipping your toe in or going in halfway. That's not how things, anything in the world works. If you really want what God's very best for your life is, if you want to understand that power that he's made available to you, then just decide, I'm going to go all in. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with 
all your heart. God wants us to give him everything. Here's the cool part. In exchange, he gives us everything. He wants us to give everything that we are, everything that we have to him, and in exchange, he gives to us everything that he is and everything that he has. That's why we sing that song, Reckless Love. You know, you're like, well, I've got a problem with that word, and okay, I understand, I understand. But from a human perspective, God's love is reckless because God giving everything to me in exchange for everything I have to give for him is a really bad trade on God's part. He does not get the better end of that deal. My, what I get is amazing, but what God gets comparatively is awful. It seems reckless, but that's the love of God. And God's like saying, hey, I want, to, I want to reveal myself to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Just go all in. I love you. I, I may not be safe, but I'm good. If you want a prayer that will change your life, pray this. God, if you have it, I want it. I want to encourage you also, develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Paul's final words to the Corinthian church, his benediction to the, to the church was this. He said this in 2 Corinthians. He says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. A lot of people know God the Father. A lot of people know God the Son. But that's where the Trinity stops for them. And they don't really have a Trinity in their life. They have a duo. But there's a role that God wants to play in your life through the person of Holy Spirit. Let's not leave out God the Holy Spirit. Listen, I want to encourage you today. Don't keep trying to live your life just on that 10 to 20% of energy that you're drawing. Especially now that God has made available to you so much power through the Holy Spirit. Don't be a sailboat without the wind and you're out there just trying to paddle and make it, make it work. <clears throat> That's not the best use of your energy. Have you ever heard of the doldrums? Doldrum is a word that just expresses... Um, how we feel in like a stagnant feeling. But do you know that doldrums is an actual place? It's a place near the equator where the northern trade winds, twade, twade winds, trade winds, (laughs) the northern trade winds flow this way, the southern trade winds flow this way, and they cancel each other out. It's called the doldrums. And if you, before we had motorized boats, motorized sea craft, if you accidentally sailed into that area of the sea, you're done. You would die. I'm telling you, I know that there's some of us here today that we're in the doldrums in our life. And God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to blow a fresh breath of air into your life. He wants to, f- to blow some wind into your sails. Let's pray.
Lord, I just ask you to take us on this journey. We let go of fears. We let go of misperceptions. We pray, God, we commit. We want to go all in. God, we're going to seek you with our, all of our hearts. Help us develop an intimate friendship with Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you don't have any kind of existing relationship with God, maybe you did at one time, but you feel estranged from God, I want you to hear this. You don't have to carry that shame and guilt anymore. You can come into a relationship with God through Jesus, and you can make that decision today. If you're here and you're like, J.D., that's me. That's me. I want you to pray for me. I, I need to know that my sins are forgiven. I, I, I want to come back to God. I need to know that I, I receive the love of the Father. If that's you today, I just want to invite you to just simply let God know by just sticking your hand straight up in the air as high as it can go right now. And then you can just put it down. Is there anybody here like that today that I see that? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Another, 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 another. Praise God. Another, another. Praise God. Anybody else? You can just put it right back down. Yes, two more. Another, another one, another one. God, you're doing something great. You're doing something great. <laughs> We're going to pray a simple prayer together right now. And anybody in the room can join us. God, thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I receive your love. I receive salvation. I don't want to live my life without you anymore. I fully surrender to you. Come live inside of me and change me. Make me who you always intended for me to be. I give you my life. Jesus, I declare that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you were raised from the dead. And I want you to be in charge of my life. Lord, I just thank you for every person that just prayed. I thank you for every person that raised their hands to you, God. God, we thank you that our sins are forgiven and you choose to not even remember our sins anymore. We thank you that your Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and empowers us to live a life that you always intended us to live. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 Do this. Come back next week. Come back the week after that and the week after that because through this month of May, we're going to keep exploring the person of the Holy Spirit, what the Bible has to say, and let's just keep taking steps. Some of us are taking big steps. Some of us are like, I'm already way over here. Some of us are just going, oh, okay. And that's okay. That's all right. But let's just keep taking steps towards being in a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray the same thing that Paul prayed over the Corinthian church. I'm going to pray it over you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.